0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: Tortoise Hello, it's Basha here and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. Just a few months ago, my colleague Paul Caruana Galizia reported a story called The Octopus. He'd spoken to multiple women who came forward with allegations of sexual assault and harassment against Crispin Odie, a star hedge fund manager and a big Conservative Party donor. All five women, spanning two decades and with no prior contact with each other, came forward and told Paul similar stories.
2: I literally warned, don't be alone with him. I was totally floored. It came out of the blue.
3: He just lunged at me. Suddenly he was physically right over me. He leant over and he put both hands on both breasts. He was groping everywhere and his tongue and sort of kind of attacking
1: me. And these weren't all historical allegations. One woman's story was recent. Another woman claimed that she'd gone to the police to corroborate that woman's testimony only to be told that she couldn't. I wasn't permitted to give a statement to back up his bad character. And then this poor woman got completely decimated. Crispin Odie's team denied the allegations, and he stayed on at his fund, Odie Asset Management. The fund continued to make money. Crispin Odie continued to make money. But this is a slow newsroom, and so of course Paul has stayed with the story. And today he's back on the slow newscast with a new tale, a story about silence, and about how even as multiple allegations of sexual assault and harassment have been levelled at this rich and powerful man, it takes more than just these women's voices to trigger any kind of change. I'll hand over to Paul.
4: On the 9th of February 2023, the leading lights of the hedge fund world gathered in the ballroom of the Grosvenor, a vast red brick hotel on Park Lane, built by Edwin Lutyens and once home to the Dukes of Westminster and Gloucester. More than 400 senior hedgeys from across Europe, all dressed in black tie, sat underneath chandeliers, drinking champagne and enjoying roast sea bass for their main course. They were there as the organisers put it, for the most prestigious and objective awards in their industry. And to reflect on each other's achievements. Odie Asset Management, one of Britain's oldest hedge fund companies, had a table at the event. Its founder and owner, Crispin Odie, one of Britain's richest men, was at that table with his team. The mood was tense. Chris Odi's colleagues felt pressured into attending the event with him. He wanted them there to show that he and his company were united. He thought it would boost his team's morale. And he wanted them there to celebrate his best investment performance ever. His fund returned a staggering 151% over 2022. Based on its financial performance, Odie Asset Management won the coveted award for Firm of the Year, beating seven rivals. But it wasn't Firm of the Year for very long. In fact, it probably shouldn't have been Firm of the Year at all. Eight women had made sexual assault and harassment allegations against Crispin Odie, which he strenuously denies to the press or police by the time his company won its award. I've been reporting on Crispin Odi since October 2022. My editor asked me to start looking into him when news emerged that he had hosted the then business secretary, Kwasi Kwateng, who once worked for him at Odi Asset Management at his London home for a private lunch. Kwasi Kwateng became chancellor soon after that lunch, and then implemented the mini-budget that caused economic havoc.
5: For too long in this country, we've indulged in a fight
4: over redistribution. Now we need to focus on growth, not just how we tax and spend. We won't apologise for managing the economy in a way that increases prosperity and living standards. Our entire focus is on making Britain more globally
6: competitive, not losing out to our competitors abroad.
4: It was a day that helped generate those enormous returns for Crispin Odey's fund, because he had bet heavily against sterling and UK government debt. My editor saw this episode as another example of how Crispin Odey thinks the rules don't apply to him, that like many other rich, privileged men, he appears to think that he can get away with anything, and not just in his professional life. Rumours of sexual harassment and assault had trailed Crispin Odie for many years. That October, in 2022, I was put in touch with a woman, the first source on this story, who I was told knew something about it. She said she knew Crispin Odey socially, though had never worked for him. He was someone she had a good reason to trust when she met him for supper one evening at a restaurant in Belgravia.
7: Crispin Odie assaulted me in 2008. My journey over the last 15 years has been really trying to understand why it's not okay.
4: Within the space of five weeks, I had spoken to another four women, none of whom knew each other, who made very similar allegations of sexual assault against Crispin Odie. The allegations were so similar, in fact, that it was like finding the same fingerprints at different scenes. And I had spoken to a number of women who worked at Odie Asset Management who also claimed to have been sexually harassed by Crispin Odie. Tortoise published the podcast in early December, more than two months before that glittering hedge fund award ceremony. We called it Octopus, the allegations against Crispin Odie. Octopus was a word some of the women used to describe him when he groped them. Crispin Odie told us that the women's accounts contain many falsehoods and inaccuracies. He threatened us with consequences if we published. Odie Asset Management told us that it took allegations like these extremely seriously. But after we published, the company did nothing. I later heard that the view inside the firm was that they'd weathered the story, that they'd weathered yet another report about Crispin Odey's sexual misconduct, and they appear to be right. The Financial Conduct Authority considers sexual misconduct to be within its regulatory scope, but the FCA appeared to do nothing, and neither did the police. The Conservative Party, which had received more than £250,000 in donations from Crispin Odey, didn't react to the news. Crispinotti's clients, as far as we know, kept their money under his management. Crispinotti himself didn't react, and then went on to collect his award. As a reporter, you tell yourself that you don't set out to have an impact. Your job is to do the reporting, collect facts, verify them, put them in order, understand the context. But this time, things felt a little different. We'd published aware of the liability risks, knowing that a powerful financier or hedge fund with deep pockets could go after us. And perhaps, in a sign of how confident Crispin Odie was, when he figured out the identity of one of the women I had spoken to, he began sending her text messages, trying to confuse and intimidate her. We knew too, that for all the Me Too stories in the entertainment industry, there'd been little self-scrutiny in the world of finance. So perhaps the example of women coming forward to make allegations of sexual harassment and assault against Crispin Odie would encourage others in other places to do something similar. What we didn't expect was the silence. Sure enough, tens of thousands of people listened to the podcast. But nothing actually happened. It felt like people were looking away, like they wanted to look away, wanted to continue to enable, work with and even celebrate Crispin Odie. That it was in their self-interest to do so. Clients wanting his investment performance, employees wanting their bonuses, politicians wanting his donations and friends wanting to be in his orbit and none of them wanted any rain on their parade. When I asked a former cabinet minister who knew Crispin Odie whether he had prior knowledge of Crispin Odie's sexual misconduct, he didn't answer. Instead, he told me in a WhatsApp message, You're clearly a muckraker of the worst kind. In between shooting the messenger and protecting their own interests, it's little wonder why women were deterred from speaking up for so long, and why, for the women, the silence which followed their statements added insult to injury.
8: It's, it's galling, and, and it's distressing, but there have to be people who are strong enough just to say, actually, I don't agree with this, uh, and I, I, I just won't tolerate it anymore.
4: Crispin Odie allegedly assaulted this woman at his Chelsea house in 1998. This is her speaking in her own voice.
8: And so I I encourage everyone to speak out because this example, this Odie example, is just a shocking, revolting uh, portrayal of what has gone wrong at just every level and in every institution and actually with all the individuals as well.
2: He can still assault women at social dinner parties, just like it was for me.
4: Chris Binodi allegedly assaulted this woman at his country home in Gloucestershire in 2021, reusing an actor's voice to protect her identity.
2: He needs to be held accountable personally for what he's put us all through. He needs to be stopped. This is what needs to be, what needs
7: to happen. There's a culture of silence. They've all moved on, and most of these cases are historic.
4: Crispin Odi allegedly assaulted this woman at a restaurant in Belgravia in 2008. Again, we're using an actor to protect her identity.
7: And yet they're still scared. And the reason they're scared is because there's a shame attached to it somewhere. And I think that shame comes from the feeling that it's not a big deal.
5: It's really interesting to revisit a time and place that was so traumatising. <laughs> and really impacted my life. And to revisit that and reflect on that and then have these outcomes and these impacts happening now is is a lot to take in. I think my experience of Chris Benotti, Um from what I know of him, it didn't surprise me one bit. I hold a lot of guilt around my attempt to go to media um, initially at that time and not pursuing that. And so I know I don't hold guilt around his actions, but I do have guilt around if I had gone to media and that this was out in the public arena, that maybe that would have prevented one of these experiences for somebody else.
4: And that was Jeanne Mayher. Chris Benodi subjected her to serious sexual harassment at the offices of OD Asset Management during 2003, Jayanne Mayher broke a non-disclosure agreement she'd signed with the firm to speak on the record. The first woman to do so in this whole story.
5: The fact that I signed an NDA and that, that silenced me, I feel like I played a part in also being complicit in his behaviour and I wanted to change that story for myself.
4: I began speaking to JM Meher after my podcast was published.
5: I never in my whole life thought that I would be sitting here talking to you about this at this age after so many years. But, you know, I told you how when I received your your message that I had missed after like four months, that I said to my partner, can you go and get this paper bag from under our bed because it's got some important documents in it, and then through this pile of papers, I had all of my documents that I've held on to for twenty years, and I think that really, you know, emphasizes how important this has always been to me. The fact that I one knew where these, that I kept them, but then I also knew where they were, um, was kind of insane for me but it showed me that it was important and that I now had the opportunity to speak my truth.
4: This, then, is the second part of the story, the silence that enabled him. This is The Octopus's World, how serious money, polite society, and the law enabled Crispin Odey.
6: Hi, I'm Antonia Kundi, Special Investigations Reporter at the Financial Times and I work on anything that counts as an
3: abuse of power.
4: At the start of 2023, I teamed up with two exceptional journalists on the Financial Times.
3: Hi, I'm Madison Marriage, Special Investigations Editor at the Financial Times. I work on quite wide-ranging investigations, looking at everything from financial misconduct and corporate governance failings through to sexual misconduct.
4: Madison was the reporter behind the President's Club story in 2018. We're speaking in a room at the heart of the FD's newsroom.
3: We listened to the Tortoise podcast in December and I was personally very struck by the strength of your reporting, the evidence in your reporting, the fact that there were diary entries and letters and kind of hard documentary evidence that backed up what your sources had told you. Also the kind of horrifying nature of some of the accounts, the very graphic sexual assaults that are taking place in really public areas and i was also struck by the fact that i thought your podcast was excellent and yet it it didn't really seem to have any impact on crispin od his business and his kind of stature in the industry And we did have a couple of loose leads on the Chris Benody story. So we started kind of pulling at those threads again. Uh, You had had new sources come to you off the back of the podcast. And I think it was in late January, I went and asked our editors if we could work with you to do a kind of really full investigation, looking at exactly how Chris Benody has operated for the best part of three decades.
6: We actually had a first interview in December last year. And then I'd say we... Sort of began the kind of deep dive into it in probably yeah February proper, and we were just quite systematic about it. So we trawled through LinkedIn for every person who had ever worked or listed, ODS asset management on their LinkedIn profile, put that all into a spreadsheet, and went through and contacted every one of them. Mm. Hundreds, I think it went up to two hundred and eighty, maybe it was it was definitely three figures. <laughs> and yeah and had varying levels of success with that.
4: So by the end of it, between you, how many um, former and current employees did you speak to? Do you remember the number?
3: Yeah, we spoke to over 40 former employees, 11 of them were former receptionists and we also spoke to business acquaintances, social acquaintances. In terms of Chris Fennodi's misconduct, uh, 13 women um, said that they had been sexually harassed or sexually assaulted by Chris Fennodi. So that you know, that was the total number of victims in our piece, and of those, eight said that they were sexually assaulted. The, the kind of scale of his abuse is unlike any other story I've worked on. So the sheer number of women who said that they've kind of suffered at his hands is extremely unusual. We've got a company founder of a privately owned company who's kind of untouchable. They call the shots in terms of pay, bonuses, hiring, firing. And um, it does mean that everyone kind of kowtows to them and um, is afraid of speaking up to them. So I think that's something which we definitely thought quite hard about with this story, is why was he so untouchable within that firm? And I think there is an issue around privately owned companies where the power is concentrated Mm -hmm. in the hands of one individual and how, what kind of structure, HR structure, corporate governance structure can you have that means those people can be held accountable when they do misbehave. Um, And I think that's something for kind of corporate Britain to think about.
4: Two of the incidents, Madison, Antonia and I reported on, occurred just months after Chris Spinodi was acquitted of assaulting the woman at his Chelsea house in 1998. In his verdict, the judge told Crispinodi,
2: You will leave this courthouse with your good character intact.
4: and congratulated him on reaching his 60s.
2: Without a stain on your character.
4: Four of the women we spoke to cited Judge Nicholas Rimmer's comments as a reason for coming forward with their own stories. When I asked whether his comments went beyond what was necessary, the judicial press office told me, a judge would never comment on the outcome of a case. Here's one of Chris Benodi's alleged assault victims on that case.:
2: It takes a lot to have the courage to stand up for what's right and to go to the police when something terrible like this happens. We've all read the newspapers. We read the stories of how the police handle these situations so often. Did they not take the women seriously? And we've also seen how the court case played out in 21 and how Nicholas Rimmer, the judge, was so clearly biased towards him. He was so personal in his commenting. He even went so far as to say, Mr Odie, you may leave the court today with your fine reputation intact. Extraordinary. I believe that he too should be held accountable for his poor judgment in such a huge position of authority.
4: Nicholas Rimmer has since been promoted to a more senior judge. I didn't anticipate the impact of our piece, which went up on the FD's website on the morning of the 8th of June. I was in Georgia, partly for work, but I should have expected it. Before our piece was published, a former OD asset management partner, who'd worked there for many years, told me, it will happen like this. The banks, Nervous after the Jeffrey Epstein scandal, will see the story and distance themselves from Ode Asset Management. Without the banks, the company can't trade. If the company can't trade, clients will withdraw their money. And then it's over. And sure enough, as I sat down for a snack and a bottle of Georgian wine, News broke that Morgan Stanley had cut its ties with OD Asset Management.
1: Some of the world's largest asset investment banks have started distancing themselves from hedge fund manager Crispin Odie.
4: And then Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan and the BNP Paribas subsidiary followed. And then clients started asking for their money back. Soon after, in an attempt to save the firm, the remaining partners of OD Asset Management ousted Crispin Odie the man who had dominated Britain's hedge fund scene since 1991.
1: Now Crispin Odie's hedge fund will be run by his co-manager, Freddie Neave. It follows a decision by Odie Asset Management to oust the founder who's facing fresh sexual assault allegations.
4: During the fallout, Crispin Odie told one journalist that his encounters with women were consensual, that our piece in the FT was a rehash of my podcast he made clear to the journalist that he really hates me. We began learning more about the events that led Odey Asset Management to this point. One thing i heard in October 2022 was that the Financial Conduct Authority was investigating Crispin Odey. The FCA, which as a matter of policy didn't confirm or deny its inquiry back then, was now revealed to have been investigating Crispin Odey since October 2021. By that date, the FCA had been informed of sexual misconduct allegations against Crispin Odi stemming from the criminal case against him as well as from two internal investigations conducted by Odi Asset Management's lawyers. The FCA had also been informed for the second time that the company's executive committee was considering dismissing Crispin Odi. All along, the FCA didn't intervene. Instead, it asked the company's partners what their succession plans were if they were to go ahead with Crispin Ody's dismissal. Crispin Ody owned 75% of the company which bore his name, so he was able to dismiss two executive committees when they tried to hold him to account for his behavior. The FCA was informed in advance that Crispin Ody was going to do this, and again it didn't intervene. In fact, the FCA then gave Chris Binodi a grace period in which to find a new executive committee, which a regulated firm must have, according to the FCA's own rules. Unable to find senior executives to sit on his executive committee, he appointed two inexperienced managers from within the company. These two men, the new executive committee, Held a disciplinary hearing into his behaviour and, finally, declared him as fit and proper to the regulator. That executive committee is still in place. But it has removed Crispinodi's certification with the regulator, four days after our report's publication on the 8th of June 2023. The regulator has now broadened its inquiry to consider corporate governance failings at the firm. It was interviewing partners and former partners as recently as May 2023 about this. And I understand that it's still interviewing individuals. The FCA might want to ask them how Chris Benody was able to prey on so many women employees for so many years.
8: There are just a horrifyingly high number of people who knew. And there are a lot of people within ODA Asset Management and that, you know, would tell their staff, you know, don't get in the elevator with this person. Now, they can't say they didn't know. I think for me, what I find the most galling is the people within ODA Asset Management they knew.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
5: I think the reason I went and sought legal advice is because it was so wrong that nobody in particular people at an executive level chose to offer some kind of support or mechanism to make a complaint or any recourse for him. He was just enabled to, it enabled him to do whatever he liked, whenever he liked because he was the boss.
4: Jayan Meher moved to the UK from her native Australia and joined OD Asset Management as a receptionist in 2003. She was 22 years old. Crispin Odie subjected her to massages, kisses, embraces and crude sexually suggestive comments.
5: I think, for, you know, I didn't realise that at the time because I was that young receptionist um, in that moment. And so whilst I knew it was wrong and that I didn't like it, I still stayed because that behaviour was normalised. It was part of the job, the complicity of every single person in that place. Out of all of the people that were at Odiasa Management at that time, people that I classed as my closest friends, I was living abroad, these were people who were my family as such. Only one of them actually. Resigned and um, because of what had happened, because not only did he believe that there was merit in my complaints and that he could no longer escape working for a firm that allowed this to happen, Um he really, you know, eloquently <laughs> gave feedback on how something of such importance should not be belittled to just gossip around the office. And that's what it was. Everybody spoke openly about it, the comments that I had to receive after I chose to leave, you know, comments about my clothing, comments about um, have I been trying to get any more men into trouble from people I classed as my family, like as friends, very close friends, really destroyed my confidence as a young person and my understanding of the world um, and relationships and friendships. But for him, that one person that did leave, a great risk to his professional career, I have so much gratitude um, and really has impact, you know, impacts me now to think of somebody sticking up for me in that way and defending what was right um, because of his moral consciousness. And that's what I'm grateful for, is somebody not choosing not to be a bystander and choosing to tell it how it is and say that this isn't right. I don't think anyone has actually done something like that for me my whole life actually <laughs> which is why i'm so emotional
4: only one woman took her police complaint about crispin ody all the way to court where things might have turned out differently because this woman wasn't the only one who approached the police
8: i have mixed opinions on the police because of course they did believe me and they did take the this case a historic case forward and of course they're all grateful for that but two other women did come forward and you know as we look back and say well if those women had been allowed to come forward one of the women's experience was so similar to mine then I think the outcome could be different and so if nothing changes and they all just sort of slink away then I think it's a terrible indictment of where we are
4: Those two women approached the police during the trial about their own allegations of sexual assault against Crispin Odie. The police told both of them that they would need to press their own charges for their allegations to be taken into account. Here's one of those two women.
7: I'm pretty sure that there would have been a way to get my statement into court if i had been properly advised, because by the end of it, one of the Met officers seemed to say that to me. So I'm still unclear, and that's the problem. Women are really unclear about how to support other women and get their stories heard, and get their assaulters, or worse, in court in a way that they feel as protected as the assaulter does. The law needs to change in order to make that easier. Or if it already exists, it must become clearer.
4: A barrister who has worked on sexual assault and rape trials for the Crown Prosecution Service says that it's up to the court to decide whether to admit such a statement as evidence, adding that the defence would have sought its exclusion. But the barrister says that if the Crown Prosecution Service believes the statement and the witness behind it are credible, then it will prefer using them as separate charges, because they're evidence of another crime, which it should prosecute.
8: It's a a very demoralising tale. Of society.
4: This woman first went to the police in 2017. She read the Me Too reporting around Harvey Weinstein and felt she had to act.
8: I think the whole thing should turn everybody's stomach. It turns my stomach. And we just have to be as strong and as loud and as clear as we can be to all parties involved.
4: But it was only much later until after her trial, when the press began reporting on the extent of Crispin Odie's behaviour, that she felt something else.
8: It's just disturbing, actually, to find out that you are actually part of the same broken system yourself. It's, it's, um, it's depressing, actually, to be honest. So I, I felt, just at a sort of visceral level, that I was not the person, the first person he had done this to. But I, I honestly had no idea of um, the magnitude and how long this had gone on for and how many people knew. So, yes, I would say it's been, um, it's just been a very disappointing, actually, to to find out how many people knew.
4: Those people weren't just his colleagues, individuals in the regulator or the police. They included Crispin Ode's friends and social acquaintances. People who wanted to keep his company, despite what they heard or sometimes plainly knew. People who encouraged women to keep quiet about Crispin Ode, out of politeness or not to upset his family. Ones who had normalised sexual harassment and assault. The story of Crispin Odi isn't just about one man and the multiple allegations of sexual assault and harassment against him. His story takes us from the individual to the systemic. Crispin Odi's accusers claim he abused and harassed women for decades, because he wanted to and because he could. At every turn, people looked away. Colleagues, the regulator, the police, his friends and acquaintances. Crispin Odi may have left the scene. He's lost control of his company. He might lose the ability to work in finance altogether. He has been exposed. But Crispin Odi is still free to continue behaving as alleged.
2: His business may have been brought to its knees due to his actions and behaviour over all these years. But what I want to know is, does that mean he'll stop assaulting women outside the workplace just because he hasn't got an office full of girls to harass?
4: compared to the trauma he's allegedly subjected so many women to over so many years, where we are now still feels like an unjust outcome. True accountability involves more than financial losses, exposure and shame. And not just when it comes to Chris O'Di himself. The FCA, the police, many of his colleagues and friends, they all have questions to answer.
8: At the end of the day, the only heroes in this story are the women themselves, the victims. And that's just wrong. That the actual victims of assault, harassment, vitriol, everything that is wrong with this story and Crispin Odie's sheer depravity, the victims of that are the only people showing any courage. in this whole story and everyone else just take a hard look at themselves, to say, you know, they have failed these women.
4: This podcast was written and reported by me, Paul Caruana Galizia. The producer was Matt Russell. The executive producer, Jasper Corbett.
1: tortoise
0: small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five-in-one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks crannies edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from rust
9: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right